Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the... It's Tuesday, right? Man, these days running... I think it's Tuesday. I believe so, Tuesday. <laughs> Isn't that odd? That's how deep into my research I was. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Live with Rank program. Let's start off with something funny and sad. The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said this the other day, quote, after more than 200 failed attempts to outlaw lynching, Congress is finally succeeding and taking a long overdue action by passing the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, end quote. Did you know it was not illegal in the United States to hang someone? I had no idea. Wow. That is his entire quote, ladies and gentlemen. It all has to do with making hanging a federal crime, hate crime, uh, I assume only if it's done to anybody but white people. And, you know, this whole hate crime issue, I've spoken about it for for years. I don't get it. If someone's going to try to kill me, I'm pretty sure they hate me. So I don't get why this murder gets less years than that type of murder. Not even murder. This type of murder gets less years than that type of murder. This type of rape gets, or who you rape, gets less years than that type of rape. And it's, it's bigotry within the law, I think. But what I wanted to start the show off with today was just something funny. That the Senate Majority Leader actually believed, if we were to believe his quote, that hanging a person here in the United States is still legal until Biden signs this law, I guess. Congress gave its final approval yesterday to legislation for the first time that would make lynching a federal hate crime. Now, with that said, I gave you the AP. This is not someone trying to shorten, I would assume, shorten his quote to make him look bad. No, this is Chuck Schumer just making himself look bad because it's being reported by the AP and published in the Detroit News. Quote, after more than 200 failed attempts to outlawing lynching, Congress is finally succeeding and taking a long overdue action by passing the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, end quote. That is the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer. My first question would have been, excuse me, excuse me, Chuck, question. So if I hang someone today prior to Biden signing it, I'm cool because it's not illegal? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm getting out of what you just said. 
Do you want to clarify that? Bobblehead? Good morning, everybody. I just, uh, yes, I did call him a bobblehead, but come on. Really? Now, the bigger overarching question really is and has to do with hate crimes. Why is one hate crime, why is one crime the same crime? Why do you get more or less time depending on the crime and who you committed against? Why are we creating bias within our laws? Anybody? If you hang someone, well, according to Chuck Schumer, hanging is not illegal. But everybody else in the real world, all us non-bobbleheads, if you hang someone, you should go to prison for whatever the recommended time is. It shouldn't matter what color you are. Now, I understand the history behind lynching. But does that matter today that someone should get more time? What if a black person lynches a black person? What would happen there? Would that be considered a hate crime? A federal hate crime? What if a black person lynches a white person? Now what? What is that? Is that a federal hate crime? Or is that just a hanging and according to the leader of the Democrat Party in the Senate, is still legal in the United States to hang someone. Anybody can can you better explain this hate crime issue to me? And why in our law we should have a caste system when it comes to punishment, depending on gender, depending on color, depending on who you like to sleep with. Anybody? 269-441-9595. Today in the top of the 10 o'clock hour, we'll be interviewing Fred Zolik. Fred is now moved on to try to help a group called Let's Kids Learn. Michigan Let Kids Learn. And it has to do with Michigan Student Opportunity Accounts, something we talked about a while back and something that Republicans are looking for and they think it would be a great idea, but it's being rejected by the Democrats. So they asked if Fred could come on air to talk to all of you. They're starting a petition drive. I said, sure. So Fred will be on at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. And then I promised you, oh, geez, probably a month ago, when I read a Detroit Free Press opinion piece by two pro-bail reform people, and I had a lot of questions in, within the article, or it wasn't even an article, it's an opinion piece. I guess you can call it an article. I'm not trying to disparage it. So I said I wanted to get in touch with someone to find out You know, what is our bail system like here in Michigan? Does it need to be reformed? Someone who's in the biz, is there a problem with it? And I did. I got a hold of someone finally, and she'll be on today at the top of the 11 11 o'clock hour. She's the 10th District Court Administrator, Kate Ambrose. She'll be on, as I said, coming up in that first segment 
in the 11 o'clock hour. So those are the two interviews we are having today. Man, I I go in uh, stops and starts, huh? Sometimes I have a lot of interviews. Other times uh, I don't. I only try to get the most interesting interviews I can out there. Face mask no longer will be required at the Kalamazoo City Commission meetings. They voted six to one. One commissioner, Chris Pradell, was the only commissioner who voted against that change. He says he has a two-year-old child at home and young children still can't be vaccinated against COVID-19. That is true, Chris, but maybe you should flip the page and also find out unless there's an underlying issue and they didn't write it in here it's not being reported he didn't tell us that the two-year-olds are are very very uh, uh, low infinitesimally low when it comes to being harmed by covid now you do what you want to do i don't care Put a mask on yourself, put a mask on him, put a mask on 15 masks on you. That's all on you. That's that's what this is all about. That's all what any of us ever said. Those of us who wanted to believe the science said, let's believe the science. We don't need to wear masks. Those of the, the, you who didn't want to believe the science said, let's not believe the science. Let's believe a government bureaucrat who's telling me it's scientific, but it's not. And wear a mask. You choose to wear one, go ahead. But now, if you do go go to a city commission meeting in Kalamazoo, you no longer need to wear a mask. Former Michigan Governor Rick Schneider could be in a little bit of trouble. He wants to plead the fifth in testifying, but he may not be able to. He has moved to squash his subpoenas to testify at a civil lawsuit related to the Flint water crisis and says he will invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-determination if he will be made to take the stand. But apparently there's a legal question whether former Governor Schneider has already partially waived his Fifth Amendment rights by sitting for a deposition in that civil lawsuit back in 2020. U.S. District Judge Judith Levy expected to hold a hearing March 15th next week. In fact, a week from today, it sounds like, on whether to quash, as they say, the subpoena. The civil trial, civil trial, I should say, started in February. Right now, Governor Snyder, former Governor Snyder, faces two criminal misdemeanor counts of willful neglect of duty. Both charges were brought in January 2021 by a one-person grand jury. One-person grand jury? Are you kidding me? Wow. Well, apparently we need to have that one person grand jury back and see if they're going to bring criminal charges against Whitmer because she is allowing what's happening in Benton Harbor to continue. And it's even worse than Snyder. She had all this uh, knowledge of the situation before and saw what happened to her predecessor, Snyder, yet she's still letting it and allowed it, I should say, to happen in Benton Harbor. Governor Snyder will invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination as to any question that related to his response to the Flint water crisis. For example, all questions that conceivably could be put to him, end quote, said his attorney, Brian Lennon. So that case, it's making its way through the uh, courts. And if he did anything wrong, I certainly hope 
he gets his due because he's one man who uh, deserves it, uh, proved that he's a backstabber, and he deserves it. So hopefully people come out of the woodworks and tell us what was really going on, what he really knew when it came to Flint. 269-441-9595. You're listening to me, Rank, on the Live with Rank Show. Lines are now open. If you have a thought about what we're talking about today, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Live with the Rank Show. Appreciate that very, very much. I do not write much about sports, but this one I had fun following, and it's kind of my ending piece on it, and that's University of Michigan's coach, Juwan Howard. He has now been reinstated. Remember the whole question after he physically attacked that other coach from Wisconsin is that he only got a five-game suspension for physically attacking him. And all the videos are out there and the pieces I've written. And this morning I published one because the five games ended. It's going into postseason, and they have reinstated him. And I'm asking the question, should he have been reinstated this season? And there's something new. That's that's the reason why I brought this up and put it out there again for people to have some fun with. I've noticed that people in sports sometimes are rougher on me from emails and comments than the lefties are and even the righties when they're mad at me. Here's what's new. According to the Detroit News, Howard's return was never guaranteed. According to a release from Michigan at the time of his suspension, quote, prior to Reen's statement, all parties will meet to make a final decision prior to the Big Ten tournament and any postseason participation, end quote. And it went on from there. The Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, said... When those punishments were announced, and I didn't know this, quote, our expectation is that the incident on February 20th will provide our coaches and student athletes with the opportunity to reflect, learn, and move forward in a manner that demonstrates decorum and leadership on and off the court, end quote. So in the piece I wrote out there at WBCKFM.com or eventually one of the, uh, the affiliates, I said this, when the quote-unquote coaches and the quote-unquote student-athletes take the quote-unquote opportunity to reflect, so I'm pulling that right out of their quote, they will reflect that physically attacking a coach or a player on the court will only get them a five-game suspension. Now, for some of you, that may be a fair price. For others, it will not. You can certainly give us a call or email me at rank R-E as an excellent N-K at townsquaremedia.com to let us know your thoughts. He will be back coaching on the court what Thursday morning in Indianapolis where Michigan, who is a number eight seed, will face the number nine seed, Indiana. So that's just a having a, a put a bookend to that whole uh, fiasco. By the way, I didn't know if you knew this. This is something new to me, too. The $40,000 fine that was levied on him was the largest fine ever or is the largest fine ever uh, levied against a coach or anybody in the Big Ten, apparently. Also, you got to check this out. 
it's kind of one of those fun things. I, I tried to go a little lighter today because I've been noticing I'm just getting way too serious. I put a piece out there. I thought Wimmer told us she will fix the damn roads. Check out this pothole. Check out the pothole that I have in that. It's worth it. I'm not going to waste your time when I directly point to this. It's a pothole, apparently, that was in South Haven, Michigan. Check out this one. I think you'll like it. Again, it's at WBCKFM.com or one of the affiliates eventually. 269-441-9595. There's a piece I brought up last week that I published last week that I just remember giving it short change because it never came up for some reason until the end of the hour. So I want to re put it back out there. So people have a chance, if you wish to talk about it, give us your thoughts about it, email, app chat, if you have an app of one of the stations you're listening to me on, uh, or calling into the show. Especially now that we're going to have Fred Zolek on at the top of the next hour to talk about this Michigan opportunity. What is it called? Yes, Michigan Student Opportunity Accounts. Because I think people in Rochester, unless this superintendent is canned, should use the opportunity to get the heck out of Rochester's school district. So many of you may remember this. Maybe you don't. If not, you can check it out at WBCKFM.com under Meet the Host on the right-hand side. Same thing with WKMI.com. You'll see Rank. That's me. Click on it. And you'll see all my pieces. Just go down a little bit because this was posted last week. Rochester Community School Superintendent Robert Shaner in a February 15th deposition actually admitted, guys, to monitoring the school media post of parents in his school district. Now, you may think, well, so what, Rank? Okay, it gets even worse. According to the reporting, he also admitted that in that deposition to contacting he or someone for him, contacting at least two employers and one police department of those parents he was monitoring in an attempt to get them fired. And he succeeded in one case. That he or his school district was sued for and they settled out of court. Parents are now calling for his resignation due to his, quote, monitoring, end quote, or some might even say spying on parents. And the key point is only on parents that disagreed with him. Now, what I pointed out at the time is why is it only the parents calling for this Rochester Community School Superintendent Robert Shaner to resign? The school board, the governor, all elected government officials, anyone who cares about children should be calling for this guy's resignation. There's a video in that piece I wrote about him. He testified, quote, yeah, we value the input of all parents, and we certainly want to keep our thumb on the pulse of the community. So we monitor social media very closely in all fronts and make sure we're responsive to the community, end quote. Really? So 
you have 15,000 students. You're monitoring how many thousands? 10, 12, 15 of their social media. How many of them? How do you determine, Robert, who to monitor and who's to not monitor? Well, you guys know. It's all determined by if someone agrees with him or disagrees with him. Your thoughts, 269-441-9595. You listen to me, Rank, on the Live with Rank show, and we'll be right back after this. You listen to Live with Rank, and this guy is still superintendent at the Rochester Community Schools, Robert Shainer. He admitted to spying, or he used the word monitoring, of uh, parents. Now, he's saying it because he likes to keep his thumb on the pulse of the community. Are you monitoring how many of the 15,000 students you have? How many? There's the question. How many did you monitor? Show us. Let us look through your computer and, and see who you monitored. Because to get the pulse of the community via social media, yeah, you know, what are you thinking? Seven, 8,000 out of the 15,000? Assuming most people have social media accounts these days. In his testimony, he said, quote, yeah, we value the input of all parents, and we certainly want to keep our thumb on the pulse of the community, so we monitor social media very closely on all fronts and make sure we're response, uh, responsive to the community, end quote. And as I put, did he really mean to say, quote, keep our thumb on the pulse of the community? Or perhaps keep my boot on the necks of these pesky parents and the worthless mask on our students. Now, as I said to you, this all came to light because he was being sued by one parent that was fired from her job. And apparently it was due to him or it may have been the uh, head of the school board. So was the head of the school board also monitoring social media or was that you robert who told her what to do they dropped a dime on her i guess telling how uh they're displeased that she set up a facebook account called rochester community schools parents for in-person education and conservative parents for registered for rochester shaner and the this President of the school board didn't like that. Why? What they didn't like? Because she advocated for in-person learning to help these kids. They advocated for remote learning to harm these kids. And because of that, they went and put pressure, I guess, on the company and she was fired. She sued and settled out of court. So there's a ton of money, I assume, that is not going to educate children in Rochester. It's going to pay this woman because of the actions of the superintendent, Robert Shaner, and I believe the head of the school board, Kristen Bull. Because Kristen, I'm just reading here now, went and told her, employer that she was participating in a group that is threatening quote the school district quote threatening the school district because they believe in in-person training 
And what I wanted to point out to you guys and why I wanted to throw it out here once again, because again, last week I kind of brought it up at the end. So you realize how many hate-filled and devious people actually have access to your children in the public school education. It's frightening. Did you know that there was this many? Now, there's always a few, but it, it has not stopped for two years now of more and more of them are being excused. Do I think the majority are fine, upstanding citizens? Yes. But someone's not rooting out these devious ones, and we need to get rid of them. And this is a guy who makes $294,000 a year being the superintendent of one school district with 15,000 students. If you look around him, there are people, there are districts that have more that make less. I have a link to a government salary database that you can find out how much your local school district superintendent is making. Because this guy was making $293,492 in salary and according to the database, an additional $437,409 in benefits? I don't know what type of benefits this guy is getting, but that's what they're doing with your educational dollars. Now, there's one thing people have learned from this pandemic and that is to keep a very, very watchful eye on your school, teachers, administrators, and school boards. They all have access to your children and people who appear to be working against the children, parents, and you appear to be growing in numbers. And I'm speaking, in this case, against Shaner and the Christian Bull, who is the Board of Education president. To me, it sounds like they're working against not with or for your children. 269-441-9595. If you have a thought about what we're talking about. I saw this the other day reporting in the Detroit News. Public transit systems starting to win back riders after being crushed by covid And they're getting $3.7 billion in taxpayer money. Now, I'm not sure why they're needing, and it isn't explained anywhere that I can find, why they're needing additional money. They raised or received money during the pandemic why there's an, an extra $2.2 billion coming their way, I don't know. Biden administration yesterday said it's awarding $2.2 billion in coronavirus relief funding to 35 financially strapped transit agencies in 18 states. That money will be used to prop up their day-to-day operations, including staff and payroll. I want to know if it's giving them bonuses. Because if it's any of them are getting bonuses or raises with it, that just tells you that they didn't need it. 
they say it's also to clean and sanitize public transportation. Yeah. So once you clean it, after one run, it's back to being dirty. Another $1.5 billion in grants of your money, or not your money, future generations' money, will be available under this infrastructure law for transit to purchase low or no emission buses and build bus facilities. So they're just, you, they used COVID to fund everything they ever wanted to fund. And the kicker is they're still complaining they don't have enough money at schools and whatever. And they have so much. I wrote a piece, I think it was a week ago. Grand Rapids and she superintendent and she said others she's never been in an, a position in education where she had so much money they can't spend it fast enough. And she said other superintendents are telling her the same thing. Same thing here. All the wish lists list that the left couldn't get done on its own, couldn't get enough votes. They just used COVID to do it all. I was just speaking to someone yesterday who thinks a little differently than me. And even they were saying that they're very concerned where this Russian-Ukrainian war is going because they were told... There's not enough money for us to fight a third war, world war. And again, I stress, thinks differently than me. There's just not enough money. Because we've plowed ourselves into such a hole. Now, as I told him, all they'll do is just create more money and more inflation will come. Did you see gas? Driving in this morning by the station, four twenty nine a gallon, four thirty a gallon for gasoline. Now, those who uh, voted for this, voted Democrat, they'll say it's because of the Russian-Ukraine war. Well, part of that is. Now, gas was way up before that. But it's not, we wouldn't be in this situation if we would have came, stayed with tr what Trump delivered to the left. And that was self-reliance, self-independent, self-dependent with our energy needs. We wouldn't need to be begging Iran. We wouldn't need to be begging Venezuela. We wouldn't be need to be begging Saudi Arabia for oil. 269 if you have a thought about what we're talking about today, you listen to Live with Rank. We'll be right back after this. You listen to Live with Rank, and apparently the left is seeing things for the first time, things we've been telling them for a while. Why? Because they're getting hurt in the polls. That's all that matters to them. Detroit Free Press over the weekend published a piece by a doctor who's the president of the Michigan State Medical Society, Pino Colon. And he wrote this, 100% consensus is a rare thing. However, despite the odds, I'd venture to guess we have exactly that in the following statement. We are all ready to move on 
from the COVID-19 pandemic. If only it were that easy. It's been a long, arduous two years, to say the least. Few, if any, have been left unaffected, either directly or indirectly, by the virus. Over the past two years, COVID-19 has upended nearly every facet of daily life, school, work, social interactions, all disrupted or halted entirely for periods of time at some point or another. And he goes on with some more words. Then he writes, however, none of that changes the fact that COVID-19 is still an unpredictable, deadly global pandemic. And that really, our new deadly numbers here are 16. Michigan on Monday introduced or reported 16 deaths over the weekend and 1,656 new cases. So the numbers are coming down because people aren't getting it or the way they report it. Don't know, but we don't do know Omicron uh, was a savior and herd immunity that the left had no idea. Fauci has no idea what herd immunity is. None of them had any idea what herd immunity is because we kept talking about it. So he writes, and while it's unlikely we will ever fully eradicate COVID-19, he's an MD doctor heading the Medical Society of Michigan, and I knew this before him, hmm. Much like the seasonal flu, at which point we can all collectively take a breath and relax a little bit. So what exactly does endemic mean and how do we get there? Moving from pandemic to endemic. An endemic disease has two critical things going for it that a pandemic disease lacks. Primarily, its spreads must be both limited and predictable, which is exactly what we have with the common flu. While it's true that every year, a strain of the flu are a little different. It's also true physicians and medical researchers generally know when the seasonal flu will hit and when to expect when it does. Well, Dr. Colon, really? Because we all knew over a year ago about COVID and its limit to who was really harming and its very predictability. Where were you then, Pino? He goes on to say, thinking about it in that way, it's obviously we are just not there yet with COVID-19. As the recent Omicron surge clearly demonstrated, COVID-19 severity and transmission is still very much a roller coaster. As recently as January, new COVID-19 cases were crushing at 20,000 a day, only to drop to less than 5,000 cases a day a few short weeks. While on average, Omicron may have been a less severe variant, it's still proving to be deadly for far too many. How do we know which one they're getting. He goes into says, in fact, severity doesn't necessarily factor into the pandemic endemic distinction. While certainly a positive that Omicron variant appears less severe for most, the real concern with COVID-19 now remains the coupling of an extremely transmissible virus with still billions around the world lacking the vaccine induced immune protection against the disease. Well, that's not true. And this is a, a, a doctor who's president of the Michigan State Medical Society. It's not protecting against the disease. It appears to be protecting, if we were to believe them, against the severity of the, of the um, symptoms. But it's not stopping the disease.
He writes, the answer is simple. We must stay the course in exercising common sense precautions and work to get more people around the world vaccinated. The numbers we've seen in Michigan could not make that any clearer. At least 75% of Michigan patients hospitalized with COVID-19 are unvaccinated, while nearly 90% of those requiring ventilators are also unvaccinated. The evidence is clear. The vaccine has the power to reduce rates of hospitalization, death, and transmission in general. The honest... Onus is on all of us to trust in science and work to get people vaccinated. Now you want us to trust you after you misled us and outright lied for years. They're still lying about the mask. Now, this Dr. Cologne, C-O-L-O-N-E, Pino, is the same guy back in August 30th of 2021 said this, quote, with a Delta variant surging across the country, the Michigan State Medical Society stands with the CDC, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, and countless other public health-related organizations and associations in recommending that everyone, regardless of vaccination status, return to wearing masks indoors in public spaces, especially in schools, as children under the age of 12 are not eligible to receive the vaccine. Doing so will help slow the spread of the Delta variant, prevent further outbreaks, keep schools open, and ultimately save lives. Put simply, it's the right thing to do, end quote. So you want to believe that guy? You want to believe this guy when he says trust the science, when he doesn't follow the science, when he's going opposite, and all these other people are going opposite of the science when it comes to mask wearing? When how many schools weren't opening up even this year? And they all wore a mask. These people like this guy and countless of them out there have damaged greatly the trust between them, just doctors in general, certainly public health people, and just about all of the CDC, FDA. You can flush that down the toilet. By the way, where's Fauci been? Have you guys seen him or heard of him at all? I haven't. So a guy who, as late as, as, late as the end of August of last year, was still telling you to wear a cloth mask. Because he said just mask, because oh, it could be anything. And that will stop the transmission or greatly reduce it, he doesn't say. And then tells you, you just got to trust the science. When real doctors come out and say, or doctors who care about their patients and the truth say, well, the science has always said that masks don't work. And you know where I'm going to go next. Joe Biden's own lead guy said anything short of N95 is worthless. You listen to Live with Rank. We'll be right back after this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.